Hello everyone, welcome back to the IMG Advisor podcast, uh, episode three in season six, uh, and I'm, I'm back again uh, with the, the beautiful Ryan Halday uh, joining me from his sofa today. Hello Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. We've uh, we've also got you uh, rocking the uh, McDonald's drive through style headphone, and the same as me now, to see if we can increase the, the sound quality of these things. Yeah, what's your order? Uh, just an Oreo um, McFlurry, please. Okay, well, that'll be able to drive down to the next bit and pick it up. Thank you. Um, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever tried the double Big Mac as well, but that was also a fantastic uh, short-lived decision by McDonald's. <laughs> um, apologies if you hear the dog in the background, Tom. <laughs> I can I can hear him being being given a a good old stern telling off. <laughs> I thought you were going to say just panting heavily. It's not you. No, it's definitely not me. Okay. Um, so, okay. So this is uh, quite an interesting one today. Very popular amongst our IMG community. Um, it's the visa application process. Uh, so quite a lot to cover here, Tom, would you say? Yeah, I think we, we're going to, we'll, we'll kind of break it down step by step. So um, mm-hmm. we'll make it as, as straightforward as possible. It is something that's changed as well quite recently, obviously with Brexit and um, visa policy in the UK being uh, kind of adapted to meet that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's the bit is one of the bits of the process that can seem really complicated and a bit um, bit difficult to deal with. But actually, it's quite straightforward when you break it down. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of people um, obviously kind of panic at this stage as well because it's really important. Um, it's the you've had your interview, you've got your job offer, you're excited about making the move to come work in the UK and uh, and this bit can be a bit of a minefield uh, for, for doctors that have probably never gone through this process before but uh, as always we're here to help. That's it so believe it or not it's actually got easier since we started uh, since we started our work in the international recruitment world so now. Is that because we now understand it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe that's just a perspective thing. Um, <laughs> So if you, uh, if, you, if you are lucky enough to have a job offer and you've accepted it, uh, you start in your pre-employment checks, um, whether that's with our um, uh, post-recruitment team or, or sort of care and transition team, or, or if you're doing this yourself, one of the first bits that you need as part of your uh, visa application is your certificate of sponsorship. So um, this is basically the trust in the UK or the hospital in the UK saying to uh, the um, UK uh, governments or UKVI uh, that um, they are going to sponsor somebody from overseas to come into uh, into the UK and do a job for them. So whilst you're here, you are going to be tied to that hospital. Uh, usually for us, it would be on a tier two visa, but if you are uh, working through the MTI scheme, then that's maybe a tier, uh, tier five. Uh, and basically, if you change employment, you need to then change your visa sponsor. And if you lose your job, then you will have to leave the country because you've lost your sponsor as well. So there's no no more need for NHS Trust to advertise a job for 30 days. And also, we, you don't have to wait to the fifth of each month in order for the certificate sponsorship to, to be uh, um 
to be assigned by the NHS Trust. Uh, yes. So that's kind of, uh, I guess, what you were alluding to, Tom, that things have got a lot easier, a lot more straightforward. Um, it should be a far more streamlined process now, yep. which is good news. It's great news. So all, all you need in order to get your certificate of sponsorship is uh, your passport, which we should have, or, or your HR department should have, and obviously you should have as well. Um, <laughs> your uh, address and some proof of address uh, forms, so uh, like a bill, electricity, or um, telephone bill, uh, any sort of official correspondence that goes to the address that you're making the application from. Um, and it's really important to point out at this stage that the address that you give them is the one that will be on the certificate of sponsorship and therefore the one that your passport will get sent back to. So if you are applying from another country uh, than where you are living right now, bear that in mind because um, some doctors have been stung by that before. Um, yeah, good point. Uh, and then apart from that, I think that's that's really all you need to get the, the cost issued, is it? Yeah, definitely. And um, once the, the cost is issued, um, and we know this from experience, um, it's really important to just double check everything because, um, well, <laughs> people who work in HR departments um, across the NHS are obviously very busy um, and uh, they sometimes, sometimes make mistakes on the certificate sponsorship. No, they don't. Um, no. I mean, I've seen um, male doctors being put down as female doctors. I've had um, country of, um, uh, well, I was say country of origin. <laughs> country of application? Country of application being put down the wrong, uh, as the wrong place. Um, and another thing that usually comes up is the, the maintenance box. Um, so maintenance box, obviously, uh, once that's ticked by the NHS Trust, it's going to make it a lot easier. Um, so you don't have to prove uh, that you have uh, funds in your account for a period of three months. So, uh, and it's, again, if it's not ticked, go back to your HR contact or speak to your recruiter and get them to go back and get the, t- the box ticked. Yeah. So just to summarise that um, that piece, I mean, if you don't get the maintenance box ticked, then you need to prove for yourself and every applicant that there is £945 or equivalent in your bank account and has been for at least three months prior to your application. So I think, is that, sorry, for your dependents, it's actually £630 per applicant, but for you as the main applicant, 945 So for your certificate of sponsorship, which is the thing that you need to make your application, which is the hospital telling the uh, immigration service that they are um, sponsoring you to come into the country, uh, you need your passport, you need your address, your uh, so your postal address and your proofs of address from the country and place that you are applying from and where you will be uh, when you get your uh, visa back again. Main things to check for, you need to want, uh, sorry, you need to check for your maintenance box to be ticked which will be down near the bottom of the cos correct correct good okay so the cos as ryan said earlier is going to come pretty quickly nowadays no need to wait for panels or points or anything like that so you should be able to get it back pretty quick it will mostly come down to how uh, how much work hr have got on at any one time um and and when they they get it back to you but you should get a pdf um COS and at the top of that will be a COS number or an application uh, number and that is the the kind of key bit that you need for the next part of your application. Mm -hmm. Um, So the next part of the application is obviously applying for the visa. Uh, So before you make the visa application you want to make sure that you've collated all the documents that are required. Um, So as Tom mentioned you need your certificate sponsorship reference number uh, so that will be the top, uh, top of your COS. You need proof of knowledge of English. Um, for doctors, fairly straightforward. You can use um, your, your GMC um, 
application or, or reference, um, sorry, GMC number uh, as proof of English now, um, which again is is a, a massive step forward because we had this ridiculous situation where uh, people ha or doctors had to take two forms of IELTS tests in order to get to prove <laughs> eligibility for a visa. So that's gone, which is great news. Um, you need your passport. Uh, make sure your passport's valid and has at least six months um, left on it. Um, Another important thing is the TB test. So check to make sure that the country you're currently working in um, it either is, if it's on um, the TB prevalent country list, you're going to have to book yourself in um, for a test and it has to be an, an accredited centre. Um, to make sure that you don't have TB. So that's usually just a, a chest x-ray. If the chest x-ray isn't clear um, and we have had some delays with this, uh, you're going to have to go for um, the Sputin test. Uh, the Sputin test are currently in places like Nigeria can take between 8 to 12 weeks to come back. So um, obviously make sure you get the TB test done uh, well in advance. Um, you're going to need your criminal record certificates. Uh, so anywhere where you've lived for at least a period of 12 months in the last 10 years. Um, fairly straightforward. If you've lived in one country for the last 10 years, um, you just need one uh, police uh, check, uh, sorry, police clearance certificate for cover that period. Um, as we know, with a lot of our doctors may have lived in multiple countries. Uh, so again, it's really important that you, you get, get those police clearance certificates in early uh, to avoid any delays with your visa application. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's, I think that's most of the documents, Tom, you need to, in order to, to make the visa application. Yeah, I'd say if you are, um, if you're in the category, my only other bit to add would be if you're in the category where you have applied for your GMC registration um, uh, and haven't got it yet, or uh, you, because I think for your, your proof of English, you mean you should have everything that you need. If you've done an OET or an IELTS for your GMC, mm -hmm. then you would need to submit that rather than your GMC certificate. So, um, I mean, at that step you know it's just a slight change of document but yeah that's that's all you need it, it genuinely is pretty pretty straightforward and there's not that much you should have all of these things anyway if you're uh, you're about to come in mm -hmm. like tb test for example you'll get asked for as part of your occupational health clearance so um and you should have that from your current current hospital uh anyway um so the next bit i guess you've got your your costs you've got all the documents and uh you are ready to make your online application so you're going to jump uh, onto the internet and fill out uh the online application form uh if you get stuck at this part we've actually done a couple of walkthroughs so where um i think it's daniel has done an online application or mock application and he's sharing his screen so have a look for our vlogs on youtube uh, and you can get a kind of step-by-step -step walkthrough um if you uh, if you want to as well, once you've done your online application, you can save it and send us a copy and we can check it over for you. So we kind of do that as standard for everyone that kind of gets their job through us. But if you want us to take a look at, at yours as well, then um, obviously we're, we're kind of happy to do that. Um, and the really a part of the, the online application is pretty straightforward. You'll put in information about yourself and any dependents if you've got family coming. Uh, I think the case is still that if you make an application to come with your family on the same application, they have to enter the country at the same time as you or within 30 days of you. So if you are planning to come and kind of get your bearings and get settled and then have your family come a couple of months later, then you just need to fill out for yourself at that stage. Mm -hmm. When your family come to do their application in the future, they will put your BRP number in at that time to tie their application to yours. So uh, we, we would always recommend that anyway, because at least you get to, to kind of 
get the lay of the land before uh, before your, your folks turn up. Yeah, and just a quick point, Tom, just on the, the cost. Obviously, when you make your online application, you have to um, pay some money, which is never good. Um, but the health and care visa for up to three years costs currently £232. Um, a visa for more than three years costs £464. And um, kind of great news in terms of... Uh, um, the support that the UK government is giving to international doctors, there now is no health care surcharge. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, the, the bane of many an IMG uh, to doing a visa application. Many online, uh, many online uh, protests. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder what the next one will be. I, I think I think citizenship is in the COVID crisis is around the corner, yeah, isn't it? Um, always, it? Always keeping an eye on the latest petitions, are we? Um, <laughs> The, the only the only other part for that I guess to note before we move on to the biometric appointment is the the, the cost of that obviously is linked to the health and uh, care visa which is um, part of the skilled worker visa so make sure that the category uh, of visa that you're applying for matches the COS. Um, yeah, and I, I think um, it, it's quite confusing on the application, actually. And I know we've had a couple of doctors um, recently quite, um, where they, they go through. It, I think it's it's not particularly clear where it is. Um, so maybe we should do a, a little video just on that for the future, I think. Uh, but it is there somewhere. You just need to tick the box, uh, which um, says that you're eligible for a health and care visa. Yeah. Uh, again, we we will check that over for people who are working through us. But if you are doing this, if you're flying solo and doing this on your lonesome, then uh, have a have a look for that box. Um, so at the end of the online application, you'll get to uh, you get to a point where you have to make your uh, biometric uh, appointment. Yes, you do. I was expecting you to pick up there, but I'll I'll <laughs> I'll crack on. Um, this is basically uh, a pretty straightforward appointment. So uh, you'll go to your local visa centre. Uh, you have to bring some of your original documents, and then you'll take your bi biometric information. So they'll take some fingerprints and um, and that kind of stuff. And you basically will leave your passport there with them uh, for them to process your application in full. Um, and then the I guess it depends on the country and what's happening. It's usually two to three weeks later, unless you're using the express service, which can be can be kind of pretty expensive. Uh, your passport will get couriered back to the address that is on the application uh, and on the COS with what's called a vignette visa uh, inside that. It does, yeah. <laughs> or it's sometimes known as the sticker visa. Sticker, yeah. That's for the that's for the simpletons out there. The sticker visa. Yeah. Uh, if you want to be posh, it's a vignette. Yeah, I prefer a vignette. Reminds me yeah. of uh, reminds me of travelling in Switzerland. Anyway, mm. um, so the vignette currently because of COVID, um, once you had have the sticker visa, the vignette sticker, um, usually you would have thirty days to enter the UK. Um, but again, good news because of uh, I guess the the way the world is at the moment, um, and there's changes to. Um, travel plans, restrictions, all the rest of it. And now they've extended that to 90 days. So once you've got your passport return with the sticker visa or vignette, you then have 90 days in which to enter the UK. And that is a COVID extension, which is still current at the moment. That may well change in due course, but um, as, of, as of when we're talking today, it's still 90 days. Very true. Um, and I, I guess on that, one thing that we didn't mention about the COS is that that's valid for three months. 
So you have to make your visa application within three months of the issue date on your COS, uh, just, just in terms of making timelines add up. You don't have to use it. You don't have to be entering the country, but you have to have made the application. Um, and as Ryan rightly said, you got 90 days from getting that sticker visa back. Uh, that's, your, that's your kind of window to, to enter the UK. Um, usually, obviously, it's pretty tight with 30 days, but you, you should have plenty of time to, to book flights and uh, we can help obviously with that kind of thing and, and accommodation as well with the, the 90 days it's been given. Um, so yeah, I mean, you at that point, you've got your visa, you're ready to fly. So uh, make your booking, uh, book your flights is the first step. So um, again, as part of our kind of care and transition team, they, they would help you at this stage with all of the, the follow-up once you've booked your flight or they've booked their, the flight for you uh, under, under your guidance. Uh, they'll then be able to book transfers to your accommodation, uh, help you book with your quarantine accommodation and then your long-term accommodation, set up your occupational health appointment, um, your uh, bank account appointment if you need to open a UK bank account as well um, and I guess outside of that the only two things that you would need to do in terms of your visa is the police registration and the collection of your BRP. Yeah exactly so um, collection of BRP um, again this um, when you make your visa application this will be sent to the nearest post office to the address that you put on uh, your application. So whenever you're doing your application, if you don't have accommodation already sorted in the UK, it's always safest to put down the trust address uh, or the hospital address, that's the way you're going. So your BRP will be sent to the nearest post office there. Um, so in normal circumstances, pre-COVID, you would only have 10 days to collect your BRP um, from the post office. Uh, however, now that's been extended, uh, there's extensions currently uh, in place because again we now have two week quarantine all the rest of it as well so um so yeah so i mean in, in terms of how things were pre-covid to where we are now there's a lot more flexibility for international medical graduates coming to the uk which is uh i guess goes a, a little bit um towards alleviating some of the stress as well um Definitely. I, uh, I'll, I'll add my kind of last bit on the visa in there, uh, which is that I, I guess it kind of ties into the general. If you need help, let us know. But I had a doctor today who had a, her vignette visa uh, returned and on it, it said uh, no access to public funds. Mm -hmm. Now, she, she had a bit of a panic because she looked that up online and thought that meant no healthcare or anything like that, no education for her kids, but that is not included. Basically, what that's saying is if you're on a tier two visa, you don't get access to things like unemployment benefits or housing credits and other kind of public um, uh, funds and credits that that people would be um, entitled to under a sort of welfare rules in the United Kingdom. So yeah. don't stress, you'll still uh, get picked up by an ambulance if you fall off your bike. Good. Um. <laughs> Presumably that's because you've been listening to the uh, previous podcast about commuting to work and you've got a bike and that's how you get in and out. Um, so, so my laptop's just about to die. <laughs> so I think it's probably best to cut this one short. Okay. All right. Well, just like myself. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me. I hope that you're uh, you get you charged up, and we'll we'll get you in for the next episode, which is going to be NHS Wales versus NHS England. Cannot wait. Okay, Tom. Speak to you next week. All right. See you soon. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.